this is Alan Appel, and you are listening to This Day in New Haven History on WNHH 103.5 FM and streaming live at newhavenindependent.org, community radio in the Elm City. Thank you for joining us on our time travel machine, and by us, I mean myself. Uh, with Jason Bischoff-Wurzel of the New Haven Museum. Hi, Jason. Hi, Alan. So, Jason, we are continuing today our third episode on Christmas through the decades and the uh, centuries here in New Haven. And today you brought in uh, two or three items and through which we're going to look at um, how Christmas was celebrated in wartime. I guess that means World War One. Yes. To, and then we're going to also have a look at some Christmas recollections of... Uh, uh, very beautiful Christmas recollections by Jacob Rees, an unusual person to uh, the 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 uh, uh, social reformer. Yes, his recollections of uh, Christmas, and then um, we're going to look at some uh, interesting editorial about w- whether you should use the newfangled telephone for your Christmas ordering. Yes, exactly. Telephone ordering by by phone. Uh, it was very potentially controversial 100 years ago. Right. And, and uh, the telephone, though not invented in New Haven, the telephone exchange was invented here. Yes. All so right. we were at the forefront here of, uh, of uh, what today we would term a version of online shopping. But we'll get to that. First off, we were World War One, looking at World War One, we're seventeen, de- December of nineteen seventeen. It was the first Christmas and holiday season where America was a participant, full participant in the war. Up to that point, uh, America had been supplying uh, the the various. Uh, participants in World War One, but had not been directly involved, uh, uh, meaning had declared war. But by 1917, we were full lock, stock, and barrel fighting right. the war. Woodrow Wilson had won the election of 1916 on the platform of uh, he kept us out of the war, but not for very long. Right. We we entered the war April 6th, 1917, and um, so this is a, a Christmas. Um, Four months later. Yes, yes. And uh, and actually, it looks pretty good, isn't it? does it not? The writer of the Saturday Chronicle article seems to suggest that uh, that um, w- one of the things I love about about uh, this, this piece that you brought in and a lot of the way we look at history here is that these people who are writing this or the people that are being interviewed are remembering Christmases that they recalled from when they were soldiers in the Civil War. Right. Where things were worse for, um, they got less stuff in the mail. Yes. I guess is the comparison. And the yes. boys overseas now in France uh, you know, have better stuff than the, the, the boys who were at the siege of Petersburg. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so they go on to mention here, they start off, uh, even if this is the worst war in history, there are consolations. For instance, there is Christmas. Wars anyway, big or little, are as bad as you think they are. 56 years ago, the conflict that shook the North American continent, puny as it was in comparison with the vast world struggle of today, seemed to the men who waged it big with the fate of human liberty on Earth. Like this year, those four in the 60s... They mean the 1860s. Exactly. Depressed men with a sense of agonizing crises... Yet New England fought through it with bodily pain and anguish of the spirit without, or almost without, 
the leaving of Christmas. That's right. And in the in the next graph, they they say the the New England remains steadfast in her ancient Puritan prejudice against quote popish holidays. Yes, like Christmas. So they didn't they didn't do a lot of celebrating uh, in the cities. God knows on the front lines even less. Right. Right. They did mention, as we've mentioned uh, frequently in the last. Uh, a couple episodes that Thanksgiving was the old time holiday in these parts, an institution lending itself aptly to lengthy sermons as well as lengthy dinners. Surely good enough and quite enough for anybody. Slowly, very slowly indeed, as things moved in circles of New England life, touching upon the old-time religion of the people, did the custom of the household tree and the little gifts for the children creep into New England homes during the 40s and 50s, meaning the 1840s and 1850s. That's right. That's right. That's amazing. But in World War One, um, it looks like... Uh, a man of the 102nd Regiment, I guess that's a, a Connecticut regiment, could look forward to receiving uh, some good stuff. And um, uh, like what? Like cakes and um, uh, th- through the mail. I mean, the, 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 the systems of delivery were, were much superior uh, by World War One, And... Um, uh, now Jacob Rees uh, appears now in in this piece that you've brought in, um, uh, in his own recollections of, uh, I guess it, it it's uh, the same period, but boy he 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 uh, has just having a great time. When we were not dancing or playing games, we literally ate our way through the through the holiday weeks pastry by the mile and did we eat did we eat in general indigestion brooded over the town uh, and when it emerged into the white light of the new year at any rate it ought to have uh, um, done so it's a prime article of faith with the Danes I guess he is he Danish I guess he's Danish could very well be he's remembering yes. a Danish Christmas um, but he says in his childhood, every house was a bakery. I love that. From the middle of December until Christmas Eve. And oh, the quantities of cakes we ate and such cakes. We were 16 uh, normally in our home. 16 children? My gosh. And mother mixed the dough for her cakes in a vegetable, a veritable, a veritable horse, horse trough kept for that exclusive purpose. Wow. Just for making cakes. She, she had her own separate cake trough. <laughs> a sack of flour went in and a gallon of molasses and whatever else went into the mixing. For weeks, there had been long and anxious speculations as to what father would do. Anyway. Well, it's very interesting here where they mention what father would do in gloomy conferences between him and mother over the state of the family pocketbook. Oh, how much to invest in this. Which was never plethoric. But at last, the joyful message ran through the house from attic to kitchen that the appropriation had been made, even for Citron, which meant throwing all care to the winds, the thrill of it, when we children stood by and saw the generous avalanche going into the trough. (laughs) Like, that's great. So they had to uh, negotiate with their father to... uh, basically open the purse strings and let it all hang out for Christmas in the, in the Reese household. And it's interesting that 
you know, again, f- for me going through this and finding material uh, in the, the Whitney Library at the New Haven Museum, just to see uh, Jacob Reese write this and, and as a contemporary article at that point, you know, it'd be similar to, I mean, any sort of journalist that we'd read right now, uh, sort of doing an op-ed, and that's what this this essentially was. Right. And, uh, you know, because now, of, of course, 100 years later, uh, as these things tend to happen, the sort of uh, the the standing that Jacob Reese has, especially as a social reformer, um, and it's almost kind of interesting too that his. I mean, we know that he went and uh, really talked up the plight of the underclass, well, uh, the immigrants in the in the tenements of New York City. Yes, yeah, but at this point too, it's sort of like he's he he had this very. You know, it sounds like a fairly at the very least lower middle class background that he came from here uh, as a child at least yeah but but it's but it's definitely the the uh, a kind of um a, a Protestant Christmas that I, we should point out is sort of normative. Um, this is the era of huge immigration, Italian immigration, Catholic Catholics in New Haven, lots of uh, um, German Jewish people also at the time. And uh, we were talking before we went on the air that a lot of the documentation does not reveal um, how Catholics marked Christmas or yes. how Jews marked Hanukkah. And certainly, um, if there were African Americans in town in any numbers, um, uh, their particular take on the holiday was also um, absent from the coverage. It appears. Right. Yes. Yes. And uh, exactly uh, absent from uh, the overall uh, mainstream coverage. If uh, as you know, what we're pulling from here. And and it's interesting uh, apropos of what we said the other day about. Um, uh, about how the holiday, Christmas, becoming a national, federal holiday uh, after the Civil War as a means to unite the country. There is, there is something to be said for uh, a, a national style of celebration that, it, that, that embraces difference, but, but, but suggests that we all do this together in, in some kind of way. I, I'm wandering all over the place, though, but because we're in a post-Donald uh, Trump election victory mode, and <laughs> uniting the country seems to be um, um, a, a big issue, maybe we need a new holiday. Well, you could have a new holiday. We should have had an election day holiday like they did with the Puritans. Maybe the Puritans were on to something. They were on to uh, uh, not having any sort of religious uh, uh, celebration connected with Christmas, therefore protesting it, and they didn't have, and then they celebrated the election day as being a big deal. Um, but it's also interesting, too, that as it grew, and um, because it depends what circle you go through and, and, and all this, but it really just more and more you see that this, this idea of our American idea of the holiday season as it is really is just centered around commerce and bringing people together and um but is commerce enough to unite the country folks right i don't know i mean that brings us to this other piece that you brought in that is just fascinating it's as you called it um like a 1917 version of uh the perils uh or or the or the the competition offered by their version of uh, online shopping yes well exactly so you had 
and we have this this constant discussion now of you know do you buy online online shopping uh you know i heard the other day on the radio it's it brought in for uh black friday uh i don't even know several billion dollars um and it's it's now recognized in the business it's no longer just a a new trend it's now becoming the status quo right so here what we had a hundred years ago which was a similar discussion which i found interesting here that uh they bring to mind the approach of Christmas brings to mind here the shopping days and some of the problems of merchandising that are related to the war and the holidays. And then the, this person goes on and, and we, just, we, we, we talked about this. Uh, they're, they're using the new state of war to, um, to suggest that this newfangled uh, trend that might have been on the upswing using that newfangled telephone to put your order in um, should should give way because of war conditions to actually visiting the store in person. Yes, it's patriotic to buy in person is what they were saying. But don't use and, the tel- don't don't order online their version of online. Right, and as they're mentioning here, many small and odd practices arose in merchandising before the war. Each in itself did not seem great. In the aggregate, there were many and they cost tremendously. People got out of the way of doing their buying in the way they used to. The trip downtown gave way, in many instances, to the order by the telephone. Hmm. Telephone buying, in many ways, had its handicaps. It virtually meant buying goods on approval. Often the goods. Oh, that's right. Because you, they didn't have credit cards. Right. When you called up, it, it would be like. Um, uh, uh, you're asking them to set it aside and you would, uh, or deliver it even. Yes. I see the merchants. So, the so merchants, they, why would the merchants benefit from the telephone? Right. Unless they're not there was trans- a ma- They're making nothing from it until later on. They had no plastic. Yeah, they're putting themselves I out there. I get it now. I get- <laughs> yes, yes. And they, they were frowning on this. There was no transaction until later on. Right. Often the goods did not suit and were returned at the cost of the telephone message energy, delivery, and the cost of delivery. All right. The, then, more we, the more we read this, the more shameless this writer is. Yes. The writer says, war is here now, and as the holidays come, we owe it to the country, to ourselves, and to the merchants to shop intelligently, to make a few sacrifices to help the merchants so that there will be an easing of the war strain on the merchant. <laughs> yes. And make sure that money gets into the, the hands of the merchant. And they give various suggestions. For example, if people shop early, it will help. The war has taken clerks the war has demanded the merchants do many things that are sacrifices the war has increased the merchants taxes he has had to he has to buy liberty bonds he has to put uh, uh, the new economic uh, new economies in effect that may appear to the unthinking in the wrong light and he has to raise wages i guess because there are fewer employees yes so well it was also at the same time period at least here in new haven um for better or for worse. I mean, obviously for better for employees, but wages were going up at that time period uh, due to uh, the idea of trying to keep potential strife down because you had that, that labor same, strife, yeah. you had labor strife on the rise and especially heading into 1917 and beyond. And we had mentioned this uh, 
uh, previous episode talking about the uh, armistice at the end of the war, right? And uh, this this idea of uh, where everything is uh, great and prosperous. Well, there's the people that make it great and prosperous, and how well were they doing? And the agitation that was coming with that, and would lead into the 1920s. Well, Jason, thank you for um, um, taking us into this early version of shopping online, and uh, on tomorrow's episode, we are going to explore. Um, quote, an electrical Christmas. We're going to see what's for sale downtown. Um, uh, the new electrical items, including an electrical vibrator, 1916. Have a listen. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. And uh, see you tomorrow on 103.5 FM, this day in New Haven history on WNHH.